It's time for episode 399 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's always in 4-4 time. My name is Dan Morton, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my co-host, my dungeon buddy, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? One, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here today. Uh, and I'll have to invent the rest of the lyrics later. But uh, it's good to talk to you, Dan. I'm uh, hanging in there today. Hanging in there. How about you? Good. Good. I, You know what? I should have realized that, that making a musical reference would just mean that Micah will burst into song. This is the show where we welcome two wonderful guests to join us in talking about four tech topics. To my left this week, it is a staff writer for Gizmodo and the co-host of Material right here on Relay FM, the one and only Florence Ion. Welcome back, Flo. Hi, I have a job now. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and to my left, it is podcaster and developer, games developer extraordinaire. It is Shahid Kamal Ahmad. Welcome back to the show. Pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me back. Didn't you learn from the last time? <laughs> <laughs> I learned that you're a great guest to have on. You're so nice. You forgave me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was, Yes. All right, let me kick things off. Apple Music is adding lossless audio and spatial audio. My question for you is, do you use either of these features on other services? Does the addition of it to Apple Music interest you at all? Are you crying out for this? Flo, why don't you start us off here? You know, I didn't think that this is something I would care about a year ago, but then my wonderful husband gifted me a really nice pair of headphones for Christmas this last year. And they've got this really awesome like spatial audio feature and uh, I've been using it to basically block out my family during working hours. And so I'm understanding why these things are so important for people. And I appreciate that Apple Music is at least trying to go for a very, um, I would say they're really trying to build on like their cachet, you know, as this like music service. And so this is definitely something that I think will, will bring in hi-fi audio enthusiasts or just people like me who want to brag about a nice pair of headphones. So I think that, uh, lossless audio is a sham, a farce and a, uh, nonsensical, um, flex, but as far as spatial audio goes, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I have played around with, with, uh, spatial audio on Amazon's service, uh, and in particular with the Echo Studio. And I, you know, fell prey to the, the lossless thing for not, um, for not an insignificant amount of time back whenever I was a title subscriber. And I just ultimately felt like there wasn't that much of a difference between the music that I listened to elsewhere and the music that I listened to there, even with good headphones and even with the right things set up. And I just think it's a way for people to spend a lot of money. And so that's how I feel about lossless audio. And I can't wait for all of the emails. <laughs> well, I grew up at a time when I listened to a very cheap $15 transistor radio. and 
It sounded awful. Well, I should say that, but it didn't, actually. It sounded great. It informed my entire musical life. Because what matters with music is not the quality of the audio fidelity, but the experience, the way it makes you feel. Kids, you know, one year old and less, who move to music. And it doesn't matter what the music is. They don't care if you've got a good voice or not. They don't care if you're playing at 24-bit 192 kilohertz or not. So, yeah, uh, I don't think the the lossless stuff is a big deal. I think the spatial stuff is a bit of a gimmick. But, you know, hey, I'll... I'll enjoy it if it comes. Yeah, I think I agree a lot of, with a lot of what you just said, Jade. I mean, including the fact that music is such a background affair for a lot of people that I don't know how much the increase in quality matters. And for the people it does, that's great. I don't think that's the majority of people that Apple is selling or indeed any of these streaming services are selling their music to. Um, but, you know, it's certainly a bullet point on the list. I'm intrigued a little bit more by the spatial audio thing. I think that that's clever on the implementation I've seen on TV and movie end. But I think, yeah, 5.1 mastered music has been around for a while, right? There were DVD audio uh, things out in the last couple decades. It never really caught on that much. And part of it was you needed so much equipment to make it worthwhile. Um, I'm curious to see how that plays out with the equipment that's out today. And I think, unfortunately, this rollout's been a little muddled in terms of what's supported and what's not supported. So... I'm curious to see how Apple may streamline that explanation. Uh, thanks for all of your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic today, which comes from Flo. Oh, boy. So this week was Google I.O. It's still happening. Um, I still have to go back to work after this and do more coverage. Uh, so there's more stuff happening, but... Yesterday was the keynote, and one thing that Google teased, it was a very, uh, there was a segment devoted to it, but it was a very subtle feature. So what Google said is that they're going to tune their computational photography algorithm uh, to take better photos of people of color. Now, um, for those who don't know, there is like a longtime inherent bias in the world of photography Technology has been created by white people for white and light skin. And the same thing applies to the algorithms that take pictures of us in our smartphones. Right now, it's just a theory and it's just an idea. So for you clockwisers, I wanted to ask if you thought this was a step in the right direction for democratizing an algorithm. I think this is uh, a really good thing, honestly, um, because even if on its own, uh, it doesn't have the maybe the, the the changes aren't perfect and they continue to work on it, etc. What it does is it puts these things front of mind. I I love that you know they're talking about this. I would love to see an interstitial in the camera app that's like, hey, we've made this better at taking photos of people of color because the more that that's front of mind. Uh, the better, the better that that understanding is there. There was a part during the the show where um, a woman was talking about her mom, and she was going through a photo album showing these old photos of her mom and talking about how, you know, she didn't see her mom as beautiful whenever she was younger. And, and maybe her mom didn't see herself as beautiful when she was younger, because these photographs, these instant photographs were not uh, created to capture uh, black and brown skin in the way that it actually is and should be captured. So having that stuff kind of be there for people to confront and and realize, I think is incredibly important. Uh, I don't care for this woke war proxy competition. There are much 
bigger problems you could be solving relating to the makeup of your companies. I don't like using skin color as competition. That said, I agree with you, Mike, entirely in that if this is the kind of thing that it takes to get people to start considering these things when they talk about anything, then that's got to be a good thing. Having said that, I mean, it's photography's always been hard, right? And it's especially hard with the tiny sensors that you've got on mobile cameras. So computational photography had to step in to pick up some of the slack. And yes, it's good if the images that are being produced are now more accurate for people with darker skin. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think in terms of making this something that is very visible, there are positives to this. And I know even in professional settings with non-smartphone cameras, this has been a big uh, you know, issue for a long time, and it's come in the forefront a couple times over the past few years. And so having something that adapts to that, and if nothing else, as I think Shahid and Micah both said, like bringing that to the forefront and making people aware of it, especially the people who may have internalized this over so many years by not realizing it's an issue um, because, you know, they themselves do not have darker skin. I think is important in terms of looking at the broader issue of how algorithms play parts in this. Uh, you know, I think this is net positive, but I agree that it's something that, you know, is no excuse for doing the harder work of reforming your companies or dealing with the kind of systemic biases inherent in society. Flo, you got a couple of quick thoughts to wrap us up? Just nodding a lot over here. Really appreciate everyone's thoughts because, you know, I did I did write about this for Gizmodo if you want to read my full take, but um, I'm just going to end with saying, you know, I also felt a little cynical about the announcement because I've been following in the news of Google for a long time and especially of how black and queer AI groups don't want any money from them right now. So it's hard for me to see all these messages of diversity and inclusion from Google when I know what's really happening behind the scenes. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by The Inside Track. Uh, we all are looking for new podcasts to listen to, whether we're going out on walks or doing the dishes around the house. Sometimes you just need something to shake yourself out of the rut of those usual shows you listen to. If you're looking for a new show to try, check out The Inside Track with host and resident car guy, Carrie LaBelle. The show interviews with industry experts, insiders, and analysts covering long-term trends, evolving expectation of consumers, and the effects of technology advancements on industry strategies. Each show covers a bunch of segments like AI and BI use in automotive manufacturing, connected vehicles, cloud simulations, intelligent infrastructure, and more. And guests include people from Audi, Toyota, Anata, Ansys, SBD Automotive, and so on. I listened to an episode talking uh, with the somebody from a company that basically does cloud engineering to help people simulate automotive drive or uh, automated driving, which I thought was really interesting because you think about well, there's all this time spent trying to get self-driving cars to work in the real world, but obviously you have to spend a lot of time doing simulations and stuff before you can even let the cars out on the road. So thinking about how that has worked and, and specifically they talk about the ways that's that's continued during the COVID-19 pandemic, et cetera, was a, it was inside track on something that I don't necessarily think a lot about. So very interesting topic indeed. So go and listen to it now. Just search for the inside track wherever you get your podcasts or click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to the inside track and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. 
All right, halftime is over. Micah, what have you got for us? Yeah, I felt like <clears throat> one of the coolest things that uh, Google announced at Google I.O. yesterday was a really democratizing um, sort of diagnostic tool uh, for for folks to use. Um, so I <laughs> actually currently right now I'm dealing with um, a, a rash uh, that that formed out of the blue and and kind of took me out of commission for a little while. And um, it was, I mean, I think for anybody to have that happen, all of a sudden can be very scary. Um, and depending on, you know, how your skin reacts, your skin is the largest organ of your body. And uh, there's unfortunately, a lot can go wrong, because there is so much of it. And um, going and looking up uh, stuff on you know, WebMD, how often that leads to, oh, you have brain cancer is kind of ridiculous. Um, and so Google released this tool that uses artificial intelligence um, for dermatology in particular, where you take some photos in different ways of uh, whatever it is that you're kind of looking at, be it a rash or a mark or something like that, and then you submit it, and then the AI helps to try and kind of figure out what is is going on. Um, and then by doing so, it can tell you some information about what you might have, and then you can take steps from there. Um, I think this is a really cool idea. Uh, and I, I, I have this belief that it's kind of ridiculous that, um, we humans go around in these ambulatory flesh sacks and we don't know everything there is to know about them. And it, it's, it's, it's tough. And so, having this knowledge of how your your body works and and more options to understand your own self instead of having to go to a specialist i think is is helpful or know when it's time to go to a specialist so anyway i shared my thoughts up front now everybody i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this tool and if you think it can be good or if it's going to result in just lots of people being scared about things shahid we'll start with you now i'm i'm a type 1 diabetic and i have been for 45 plus years i've lost count it's a long time so at various times i've been completely dismissive of health because type 1 diabetes is one of those conditions that you you basically live with full time you're making decisions all the time except when you can't be bothered which as a teenager uh, is surprisingly frequent and it can cause all kinds of issues i mean you can die very very easily and it is a miracle i'm still here today because i was so neglectful but because of my type 1 diabetes I did eventually start to take it seriously because I was forced to, and it turns you into a bit of a doctor on the internet, which is the most dangerous thing for a person to be because you can make so many ill-judged moves without the consent of your doctor who knows 10 times more than you. And then you go and see them and then then they look at you like you're, you're nuts. And then you think, oh, they're being arrogant. They don't know anything. I know everything because I've learned it all off the internet. So I would say it's always better to know for a patient than not to know. And what drives patients to the internet is that they don't know. And because healthcare is becoming more and more expensive across the board, it's harder and harder for people to access healthcare when they need it. And skin conditions are on the rise. And there are many reasons for this. Part of it is the lack of vitamin D. Um, part of it is uh, too much sun exposure, so the two extremes. But there are many other reasons as well. You know, there are environmental triggers that can cause all manner of conditions and living in 
perpetual 72 degrees Fahrenheit can't be that great for you either um, in the detergents that we use. So I would say, yes, absolutely, it's a good thing because to to know is better than not to know. And we've seen that AI trained on x-rays, for example, has been shown to be better at catching issues before they're detectable by even experienced radiologists. I mean, there's evidence to point this out. So AI in general can be a really useful diagnostic tool, particularly when it's trained on a visual data set. Personally, I prefer efforts to be focused towards the promotion of health, but I'm grateful we live in an age where, because of the strain being put in health services around the world, the likes of Apple, Google, and many others are now creating what we can see are potential lifesavers. Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. You know, it supplants my current strategy of like having going to my wife and being like, "Does this mole look okay?" You know, she's not a doctor; she doesn't know. Why am I asking her? Um, I, as someone who's also a bit of a hypochondriac, I and stays off WebMD for exactly the reasons Mike had described. I can't decide if this is something that I would end up using. Uh, or whether it would just be too terrifying for me because like of that living in that anxiety over like the thing where it flashes up the you should see your doctor now and I'm like no um so but I think I think it has a lot of benefits and and I think that's one place the introduction of AI as Shahid was saying like combined with the proliferation of easily accessible technology especially in places um, for example, where deploying um, health technology is tricky or has been in the past. I'm thinking of like developing countries, especially where trying to get access to populations and help deploy healthcare in those places has actually really been helped by the, you know, the fact that we now have these supercomputers that we carry around in our pocket. Uh, I've seen stuff in the past talking about like, you know, doing eye tests and stuff using smartphone cameras and things like that, which you can do much easier than you could do, say, looking, you know, your traditional piece of of, uh, you know, eye examination uh, kit all the way out into the middle of, you know, like some rural areas. Um, All of this is great. Um, And I think this is a good move on Google's part. I'm just curious to know how reliable it is and whether or not the false positives or, you know, false negatives are going to be significant enough that they they run into problems. But I think we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of this, especially with the rise in things like telemedicine, uh, in you know over the last year or so as well so it's it's interesting i'm a little uh skeptical but that's just the way i feel about it personally i'm not sure it's a bad thing that's just that's just me flo micah someday we got to get together and talk about our rashes because <laughs> i have just <laughs> well that's all we have time for everybody i'm sorry <laughs> i just I, I, you know, my dermatologist, God bless him, but he's at one of those places where they like really try to upsell you on the Botox and all that stuff. Oh, Lord. Um, cause unfortunately, this is the world that I live in. I have, you know, I'm a, I, look, I'm a woman on the outside, right? I'm a, I'm a woman presenting woman. So I go to the dermatologist and this is what's sort of focused on, not the fact that my scalp is so dry. You know, um, my skin has changed so much since I'm postpartum. So my body is still figuring out what the hormone levels are. It's been a ride. And I think the thing that I like about these sort of features that are announced for phones, or at least maybe from Google, is that at the very least, it helps me do my own research. Because after my experience being pregnant with my daughter, that was the most time I was going into the doctor ever in my life. Mm-hmm. With the way that we are in America, it's uh, because of healthcare, how expensive it is. And and sometimes to get the 
diagnosis for what's going on, it might take a lot of visits, which might end up costing a lot of money and co-pays and things like that. So if I can arm myself with information before I go into the doctor's office to better figure out what's going on with me, then I welcome it. Because unfortunately, this is the world I live in. And if Google is going to offer me that, then <laughs> take my data. <laughs> Just tell me what this rash is. Take my data. <laughs> I well, I have to agree with that more than anything else. And I, I won't speak too much since I did at the beginning, but um, that ability to advocate for oneself is so important because and, and I don't even blame um doctors uh as a whole I think that uh, you know they're so overbooked constantly and th- it's actually like planned that way they in many places they're supposed to have 30 minutes with each person uh but some oftentimes they need an hour with a person and so then from the start of their day throughout the rest of the day they're off on their schedule and when anyone shows up late then that throws things off even more and and so it's hard for a doctor, you know, a normal uh, family care doctor to have enough time to do the research to figure out uh, what's going on. And so you do often find yourself having to do the research for yourself. You come in with the information and you and your doctor kind of work together toward a solution. Um, and so anytime there's this opportunity to have uh, these tools available that can start to get you to the place that you need to be and be able to advocate for yourself, I think is really important. Um, so yeah, that one more than anything else made me go, Oh, that's really neat. Whenever I was uh, looking at Google I.O. Uh, all right, let us move on to our final topic, which comes from Shahid. So lockdowns have increased the utility of video services like Zoom. Has the widespread adoption of these services also moved people away from purely voice calls? Is this a permanent change? And how do we feel about this? Man, when I was a kid, I thought everything would be video phone calls by the time I was an adult. And then it turned out that I don't like talking on the phone. I'm much, I don't even like talking to people on video calls either. I think some of it is a generational thing. Um, though my parents, for example, have gotten much better uh, about joining Zooms or using FaceTime and stuff like that. They still prefer the phone calls. Um, as for me, there are cases where I think a video call is great, but it also always feels like one of those things where it's like I need to be focused it's kind of like our discussion about music earlier where it's like a call for me is often sometimes you know like something i'm doing while doing something else whether it's cooking or just like around the house like puttering or something like that having to like sit down and like you know uh, look at a video screen and have a call like that is good for certain types of things like if i'm having like a weekly get together with friends or something like that but i think these are different tools and i think they're best used for different purposes so i'm not sure that video calls will supplant audio only calls but i do think that the overall comfort level has risen to a point where maybe they will be just much more commonplace even than they were before this flow what about you absolutely way more commonplace i wasn't really into the video calling and look part of it is because android didn't really have like a a stable video calling feature for a while the way ios does with facetime and so I never really got into the groove with it. And with my friends who I've had for a lifetime, we grew up talking on the phone, you know, for hours and hours on end. So that's still the way we communicate. But now that I have the kiddo, everybody wants to see her. And it's the best way to kind of like virtually hang out with her. So it, you know, more video chats in my life. I think one thing I would like to see after this pandemic, God willing, after this pandemic, is... um I like the idea that we had some important events catered to people who were not there in person, 
Because we had to. We were forced to do baby showers and birthdays on Zoom this last year. And so I kind of like the idea of being able to be involved in someone's life, even if I can't be physically there. So I'm kind of hoping that that kind of sticks somehow in in some way. So we'll see what happens. I hate talking on the phone. Um, I've described it as feeling like a, a wolf trapped in a in a uh, I don't know a wolf trap who wants to just gnaw their leg off. Except for me, it's my arm. Um, I there just, are two wolves inside of you, Mike. Neither of them two. wants to be on the phone. <laughs> None of the wolves inside of me want to be on the phone. That is correct. Um, and especially the British wolf. And I just would prefer not to <laughs> talk on the phone at all if I could. Um, I don't know why podcasting hits different, but it just do. And uh, th- as far as video calls, that's like uh, that's three three times more what I feel whenever I'm talking on the phone. Um, so for me, uh, Zoom is a great thing that I use for work. And in those situations, it's perfect for what it does. And I'm sure there will be lots more Zoom calls. Um, and I, I think that uh, video calls are a cool thing. Um, but I hope we just keep texting each other. <laughs> That's what I hope. Uh, Shahid, why don't you round us out here? Well, I think there is a necessary formality to video calls at the moment that requires a lot of psychic effort, psychological effort, call it what you will. There is definitely more of a cognitive and emotional load to video calls. But I think over time that will diminish just as it did with telephone calls, which used to be extremely formal to begin with. I I know I'm talking about a very, very long time ago indeed, but there was a formality to phone calls and then phone calls became cheaper and people spoke on the phone for hours. I was one of those people flow. Um, Yes, boys do it too. And um, (laughs) yeah, so so I, I think there will be social changes and people become a lot more comfortable with it. If it takes away from voice calls, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think people just adapt. All right, that was our final topic. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get there, I want to tell you really quick about another show you might love on Relay FM. Top four. Hosts Tiff and Marco can make a top four list out of anything, and it will probably make you delightfully furious. Indulge in the randomness and listen for yourself at relay.fm slash top four, or search for top four wherever you get your podcasts. All right, really quick bonus topic. I'm just curious. You ever played a team sport, flow? No. I wasn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you answered that. Uh, yes, soccer, basketball, and football. I was only good at football. Shahid? Football, except you call it soccer. I played it obsessively to the detriment of my work, my life, my marriage, my children, everything. I'm glad I got injured and had to give it up. Uh, I played Ultimate Frisbee for many, many years, but like Shahid, getting older and getting injured, it's harder to come back from that. So not so much anymore. All right, that is the show for today. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Florence Ion. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, as always, for having me here, guys. And Shahid Kamal Ahmad, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) 